What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps and partnered with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Today we have a uh, a fascinating episode, I would say, to me. I really like knowing how this stuff works um, in detail. So we have Mike Street back on, and Mike has been on two times before talking about... Um, like mule deer populations. Um, he's big into like diving into the numbers and graphs and charts and things. Um, and then the most recent one that he did was called, um, it's an article on Rockslide called Moose, Sheep, and Goat Analyzing the Bonus Point System, or also known as um, the Weighted Point System there in Colorado. Kind of how that works because um, you still gain points, like you have to gain points every year or, uh, yeah, I guess if you want to, you can gain points and it, it seems like it should make sense to gain the points because, um, the more points you have, the better the chance you have of drawing the tag, which still like in a way holds true, like it doesn't hurt you. Um, but it is still very randomized. And back in the, the last podcast that we did with Mike on preference point system and just basically talking about point creep and why it happens, how it happens, what we can do to combat it, things like that. Um, he talked about how the weighted point system works in Colorado. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more here. Um, but the best way for this podcast to listen, like you'll be able to listen to it and, and pick things up and know what we're talking about. But, but if you can pearl, uh, pull the article up, on Rockslide, it will, uh, you'll be able to see all the graphs and kind of all the things that we're talking about. And maybe it'll put things together a little bit simpler than just listening to what we're saying. But I still think there's a lot to, uh, to learn out of this podcast just by listening to it. So we're going to dive into that in a second, but first want to, uh, of course, thank Onyx Hunt Maps for sponsoring the podcast. You can use code Rockcast at checkout for 20% off. And that equates to like 20 bucks actually off of the, um, the elite membership, which gets you all 50 states, the land ownership information, and just there's a lot of other perks that come with the, the elite membership. And then um, Black Rifle Coffee. I'm a big coffee drinker, and so I love that stuff on the mountain and then here in the office. So if you use code ROCKSLIDE at Black Rifle Coffee's checkout, you will get 20% off. So with that, we'll uh, go right in with Mike diving into some of this stuff out of it's kind of fascinating to me even though um it's hard to like understand it uh or wrap my head around it but that's why yeah. um that's why i like having you on because then we can just talk yeah. about it and it makes more sense uh so you just uh you just wrote an article called moose sheep and goat analyzing the bonus point system um that just came out on rock slide and that is basically talking about um that bonus point system. Um, but one thing I want to talk about real quick is the bonus point system that you're talking about in here is for Colorado, correct? And that's also talked about as a weighted point system. Correct. Yeah. I, I may have, well, so it sounds like bonus points and weighted points is kind of used interchangeably. So I think weighted points is probably the most accurate term for Colorado. But, but the data was the, for residents only in Colorado for moose, sheep, and goat. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Because I think there's some bonus point systems, just depending on what state you go to, that's basically like 
putting more names in the hat, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you probably know better than me, but I, cause I know some states, I think to use like the squared system you were talking about yeah. a couple times back in your episode. And, um, so I, I'm not really familiar with all the other ones. Yeah. Well, so. they all just work a little bit different and you just mm-hmm. kind of know your state, but I really yeah. like, there's a lot of questions that come up like on this Colorado system. Um, so I'm really, I'm really glad okay. that you, you dove into it. So the first thing I think I was going to ask was, can you just talk about like your normal system is going to be a preference point system? And can you just talk about mm-hmm. like what a preference point is and then what the, you know, the preference point system can cause as far as the point creep goes? Yeah. So the preference point, I think universally among all the states is is an accumulation of points that you get each year if you either apply for them or you um, apply for like a first choice tag and then you don't draw, then you're awarded one. But um, in those systems, um, whenever there's always a threshold of, you know, you can draw this tag at say like three preference points or something. And if you have four preference points and the tag is drawn out at three, if you have four, you're guaranteed to draw it. So that's the difference between the preference points and then either the weighted points or the bonus point systems where those points, you're, those, those are effectively increasing your odds of drawing. There is no guarantee. Like if you had 20 bonus points or weighted points, whatever, um, and you're trying to draw this sheep tag, that that sheep tag is not awarded to the person with the most weighted points. Yeah. So we can get, go into more in detail, but. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, Before we, we go into the bonus point, can you give like a, I guess a brief explanation of like why point creep happens. And it's basically like, um, I guess uh, this goes right along with an epi- or with a not an episode. Well, an episode we did a while back, um, but also mm-hmm. a um, an article you did called "Unraveling the Mystery of Point Creep." Um, but can you just give listeners like a brief description on like this is what point creep is, and this is kind mm-hmm. of why it's happening? Yeah. So that so like we discussed in that podcast and then in the article, it basically shows that over time, uh, a certain tag and multiple tags, the threshold of the number of preference points that you need to draw that tag is increasing over time, which, so it's really like a, you know, the demand is going up, but the supply is staying the same. And, you know, like we had mentioned before, it's, it's people are, like if you're behind in the number of points you have, you know, then you're in trouble as far as if you wanted to to draw a certain tag, if there's point creep going each year, um, if that threshold is increasing. So um, really what, what the data was showing is that it, it is definitely happening 
it didn't explain why it's happening. Um, that that I think we could you know speculate mm-hmm. you know, to the <laughs> to the nth degree. But uh, one thing we do know for sure is that in that article that it shows the number of applicants is it's almost exponential. It seems like so. Um, unfortunately, I'm pretty pessimistic at the moment. I just I just listened to a podcast yesterday. Um, what was it the Finding Backcountry one with yeah. Mike Duplan recently, and they they were talking about the kind of the state of the union of mule deer in Colorado, and it was just, oh, it was horrible. My heart was just like, this is awful. Oh. <laughs> what are we doing to our population? <laughs> uh-huh. But. And then when you pile point creep on top of that, it makes you wonder as far as like, should you even try to draw, you know, should you even be buying preference points, you know, for like a a tag that takes like five to 10 or more Uh preference points. So like you're never going to catch up. Yeah. I mean, or should we, should we, I just try to hunt, you know, a second choice and then burn my points every, I don't know, one or two preference points. So. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of theories and I think it mm-hmm. definitely depends on, you know, if there is a unit, if you're just trying to go hunting or if there's a specific unit that you're trying to hunt. Um, mm-hmm. seems like some people that are just stacking points. Uh, I was talking right. to a, to a guy just like, I don't know, a week or two ago and the only reason he was putting in for this specific unit is because his buddy told him that that's what he should put in for. And, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't really even know that he'll, he might never catch up in points. Um, but sure. I think that there's a lot of people like that, you know, that they're like, just, they just keep putting in points. So your, uh, mm-hmm. your max point holder is getting to be quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely some truth in that especially now that the the financial barrier to entry with like say you're an elk hunter and you're gonna apply say you're like a colorado resident you're gonna try to apply in wyoming every year i guess that's kind of a bad example let's say you're a wyoming resident and you're applying for elk in colorado then i think it's only like an additional seven dollars to get a bone or a preference point for deer so that's kind of a hurdle as well is it's just so easy to just stack on preference points yeah dang yeah it'll be interesting uh i guess to see what happens or see what changes with some of these um agencies Mm -hmm. i guess in the in the coming years to see if they try to change it or just write it out um, but yeah, I think let's just dive, like, I guess dive right into your, to your article and, um, yeah, it's talking about, uh, like the big three in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of like we talked about, as far as the, the point creep with the preference point system, then the, the weighted point system is, is trying to combat that effect of that point creep so the way they do it is like we had discussed 
it's it's not the person with the most points that gets drawn. It's they're trying to um, they're trying to give at least some advantage to people who have accrued a bunch of weighted points, but then at the same time they're trying to uh, give the at least some chance that people who are just getting into the weighted point game at least some chance to draw. So that's really what they're trying to do. Um, but as far as um, the article goes, the first um, the first thing I looked at was the um, average draws, or sorry, the average odds each each year in the last seven years, and then correlated that to uh, the number of applicants. And so, if you, are you looking at the article at the moment? I am. Yep, I am. So that first plot is what you can see is a kind of a gradual increase of the in the number of applicants um, from 2015 to 21, mm -hmm. and then you kind of see that anti-correlation with the, the average odds. So that would assume if, if, the, if the system was a random draw, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. So all that, so the, the average odds what that is, is just the uh, number of, of the residents that drew their tags for each one of those species, and then divided by the a number of applicants of those species, regardless of what their weighted points that they had. Mm -hmm. So that that simulates if it were a random draw. So what you would expect is is what's seen in the data, where that you're getting this roll-off effect or that decrease in the in the average odds of drawing. Yep, as the applicants go up. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the weighted point system is trying to combat that as well a little bit. So then if you, if you just scroll down to the second plot um, for moose, what that's showing is the, the pre-draw distribution versus the bonus points or the weighted points from zero up to 20. So that's the um, average number of pre-draw applicants. And then below that is the post-draw. And what you can see is that even though there's kind of this really uh, sharp uh, drop off in the pre-draw applicants, the post-draw is a little bit more stable. Um, it's not as sharp of a drop off with increased number of bonus points. So does that make sense to you? It does, yeah. It does, I'm trying to follow. <laughs> yeah, so then then kind of to wrap both of those data points into the, the percent odds of drawing, which is the red data, you can see that actually the zero point, the people with zero points, they that was like on average like two percent draws and then as you went up in in the number of bonus points you had 
there is kind of a gradual increase. So if you just focus on the zero point, zero bonus point holders, there were so many more applicants with zero points as there were with any other bonus points, right? Yeah. At the top. So if you just focus on the zero point, the zero bonus point column, what that's showing is that the odds are not suggesting that the bonus point system is not working, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because you would expect, you know, you would expect the odds to be proportional to the pre-draw distribution. So that blue data to be similar to the red data. Yeah. But because they're not similar, that is indicating that the, the system is working at least to a degree. Yeah. And then there's like a dip in the middle around like the 10 point 10 and 11 point mark it goes Mm -hmm. up and the odds seem to get better and then you get to like 10 11 um and then it goes back up at 12 but then it dips again Mm -hmm. yep yeah and then if you look at the the um blue those that blue dash line it's a little tough to see there's a blue dash line and then a black dash line that blue dash line that is if the draw was a, a, a random draw or sorry not a random drop but that is the the average drawing odds for each one of the bonus points okay that you have that makes sense yes and then the black data is or that black dash line is really a like a a trend line for the those red bars. So what's that what that's showing is that there is kind of a gradual increase in drawing odds the more bonus points you have. Okay. So there's they, not much difference between Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this is for residents again. This isn't even for non-residents. So I can't imagine what that data looks like. Yeah. Did you explore it at all for non-residents? No, no, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's usually like three tags to one tag for each, each one, something like that. Uh Uh-huh. Or or sheep Um, and goat, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so that's kind of the high level summary of, of just that second plot. And then I did the same thing for sheep and goat, moose, sheep and goat. Yeah. So the sheep, it just looks like there's not nearly as many people putting in for sheep in general as moose, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite as much. I was, I didn't really fully understand why that was the case, but yeah, pretty interesting. But if you, yeah. So if you look at the sheep data, it's a little bit more convincing as far as the, if you look at the red data, right? So the dry yeah. nods, it's it's more steep in favor of the higher bonus points you have, the better your dry nods are. And then goat is kind is kind of the same, but it's it at least yeah. uh, steadily increases as you get more points, and then it just gets pretty erratic after like ten points. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. So pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. And all these uh, these figures that we're talking about is in the article, and I'll link that down in the show notes so you can, like, as you're listening to it, you can mm-hmm. go down and yep. kind of look and see yeah. see what we're talking about. Yeah, it's really, it's pretty detailed and hard to illustrate verbally, but um, the, I guess the key, one of the key takeaways for me for sure is like the zero bonus points drawing odds. Like they're all pretty small because yeah. you'll hear the argument of like, you should just get, you know, why even buy bonus points? Right. Yeah. But this is kind of indicating like you should probably at least buy a few yeah but it's still it's still really interesting of like you know how we explained or i guess you explained the last podcast of like how the point system or how the draw is actually like administered so Mm -hmm. is if you have basically like they give you a randomized number and they do all kinds of funny stuff with that and then you have like they divide it by your bonus points so why is it that like somebody with 20 bonus points, like the denominator of 20 should make that number a hell of a lot smaller than a denominator of 10, but it still seems like it's very erratic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, as far as this data that I had published. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like, let's see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. It's like, Somebody with, uh, you know, 16 points has over a 10% chance of drawing something. With 17 points, mm-hmm. you're down at five. With 18, you're back up to 10. It's just like there's so yeah. much fluctuation. Yeah. yeah. It's, the only thing I can really contribute it to is because the, because the draw has, it's really a convolution of a random element with the, uh, scaling of the bonus points like you had mentioned so dividing it by the bonus points plus one so so kind of up front is you could really get screwed by get, being given a random number that's really big yeah. and then if you have a you know versus some guy that i don't know let's say you were given a random number of like 200 and i was given a random number of 10 and then we scale it by our bonus points. Well, I have, I obviously have a clear advantage because I was given a random number that's 10 versus 200. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. So then let's say, let's say I had two or let's say I had one or let's say I didn't have any bonus points, then my final random number would be 20. Or did did I say, sorry, 10, be 10. And then let's say you had, uh, uh, one bonus point. That's not really a good example, I guess, but then your, your final, your final number would be 200 divided by two. Right. So then you'd have a final number of 100. And then I would draw it because, you know, I had a final number of 10 and you had final number of 100. 
even though yeah. you had more bonus points. Yeah, that does make <laughs> sense. And I suppose does it have quite a bit to? Well, I guess you just pro uh, you just prove that like the the random numbers that they're coming up with. Do you know how they're coming up with those? Um, my understanding is it's just a random number generator. And then what they do is they, like you explained, they invert that based on some set uh, code to basically to try to convince people that it's not rigged. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whether that convinces people, I don't know, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting because yeah. it seems like if they, you know, if there was a set of numbers like that they stuck with, I don't know if they started at like, you know, 4,000 and they had, gosh, would they have like 1,500 applicants if they just went from 4,000 and went up to 5,500 <laughs> or what well, I guess whatever that would be. Yeah. Um, and then divided that by your bonus points, that would make it even though it, it was randomized in the middle it would still make it um a little more predictable with how many right. points you have yep yeah and it's oh it's such a it's such a lottery anyways in my opinion yeah i mean you're trying to draw a tag that takes less than you know like six percent to draw it's and it's probably even worse depending on which one you're trying to draw as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if you go one thing too, if you go to the last figure, it's it's kind of this two-dimensional plot, which is effectively just the the last three plots, but then broken out by year. So if you if you're looking at that, the um, really dark blue would be the lowest drawing odds, and then the the yellow brightest yellow is is the best drawing odds. Mm -hmm. And what's what was really interesting for me is is the moose drawing odds basically looked flat, and like regardless of which what bonus points you had. Yeah for each year and it it's it's got to be because there are just so many people applying for those whereas if you look at the sheep and the goat those goat distributions those are in general those lower bonus points they're pretty heavily blue and yeah. then at the higher bonus points you know you get that greens and yellow so, and, so that's showing that it is working. Yeah, and then there's just <laughs> random dark blues where it says zero in some places. Yeah. yeah. Like if you look at in 2020 for the GOAT at 18 preference points, just a dark blue, your odds just suck for whatever reason. Yeah. It's just just luck of the draw. You get all those people got crappy random numbers <clears throat> yeah so like basically in the end like you just said it is like 
you can't really, I mean, you have to keep gaining your points um, as you put in because you got to keep putting in. But there's really no way to like predict if you're really going to draw or not. It's just no. random. Zero. Yeah. Zero prediction there. Yeah. You should just, if you, if you want to draw one, one of these species, just don't even assume that you're going to draw it. Just put in, and if you strike gold, then take it, but do not expect it. That's, that's my takeaway on all of this. And then yeah. I think another piece of advice is like, I was, because I subtracted out the bonus point only applicants, I was amazed at how many people are, are doing that, <clears throat> for, especially like for these species. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is useless. Like if you're, if you're not gonna try to draw something until you have like 10 or more bonus points, you're just wasting money. Like you, you have to be trying to draw it every year if you if you actually are trying to instead you of have like that. buying the points is that what you mean yeah you want to be trying to draw it each year rather than just like defaulting to buying a, a bonus point yeah gotcha because you also want that cumulative drawing odds as well so, so what I mean by that is like, if you apply for 10 straight years, that, that alone can increase your odds of drawing, um, you know, over time, mm -hmm. rather than if you just bought bonus points for 10 years and then you put in, your, your drawing odds are actually probably going to be worse than if you, than if you put in each year for 10 years. And then after each one of those years, you kept adding a bonus point because you bought it, even though you didn't draw. Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, and what is it? Uh, I guess this is for residents. What is it for resident to put in for, let's say, each one of these? Um, so it is $7 for the application fee, and then it's $50 for a bonus point per species. Yeah, so good lord, I mean. And then and then you can and then you can opt out to in terms of like you don't want to like if you don't draw then you don't want to be rewarded a a bonus point. I think some people do that cuz they're like the $50 to add one more bonus point isn't worth it to me. Yeah, and I think, might, that's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, that there's probably some merit to that, but I would at least get one or two. Yeah, <laughs> because it'll because it does make it it does make a difference. Yeah, yeah, it's just like that random number, like the random number pool is so big, you might get a three letter or um, a three number random number. You might get a eight number random number. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. Huh. And then too, like, 
another thing too is like this is all that's all assuming that the system doesn't change down the road yeah you know what i mean like like what if they change the way that they weighted the bonus points where they matter more and then you spent 10 years of not not getting them and they all of a sudden change it to one plus the bonus point squared for example that's gonna that's gonna scale it a lot more heavily based on the number of bonus points you have. Uh-huh. Yeah. So instead of like if you had four bonus points, instead of dividing your random number by four, you divide it by sixteen. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That would make a difference. You would think. Yeah. Right. So you don't you also at the same time don't want to shoot yourself as far as that goes. Yeah. Yeah, so, seriously. Dang. It's like, oh darn, last year I should have I should have bought my elk and mule deer preference points, you know, and you're sitting there kicking yourself because you didn't. Yeah. You know, as an example. Yeah. I mean, what could they do? Probably just like you said, square the square your bonus points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I w- when I was going through all the data and I was I was playing around with the model, um, I had actually built a couple models that I was trying to get that that multiplier or that scalar by um, I was trying to manipulate it to to see how I could uh, favor the people with more bonus points a little bit more because I was. I was thinking that the drying odds would have improved a little bit more than what they were showing in the data in the article. And that was kind of one of the, one of the things that I thought of is just do a one plus the bonus points squared. And then I ran this uh, script that I have basically what it does. It's not in the article, but just for my own interests is I just uh, increase that power. So you go from like bonus point squared up to, you know, three, four and five, and you can see the multiplier. Um, it's, it just increases the sharpness of that uh, multiplier. So what that means is that it, it just much more heavily favors the people with higher bonus points. So, so that, so I would be very nervous as far as like people not buying bonus points each year, if that makes sense. If you can afford it, because I know like for non-residents, it is pretty expensive. I think it's a hundred bucks plus the application per species. So it's hard to know what they're going to do. If, if they will change it. Yeah. Because it kind of goes back to those middle plots in the article. Like you can see how many more people are entering these draws. You know, it's, it's clearly heavily favoring people with lower preference point or bonus points. And that's just because there's a hell of a lot more of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a bunch of people coming in, it seems like, each year. Yeah. So, so what 
what's it going to look like? That's kind of how I wrapped it up. It's like, what's, how is all of this going to look like if, if the number of people at each, each bonus point is the same, right? Yeah. So. Yikes. <clears throat> well, that helped a lot on uh clarification of some of this stuff i at first when i was going through here getting notes i was like oh gosh i'm glad he's coming on because this is easily reading it i'm just like i have to read this thing like 14 times to have something stick Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it took it took me a while too to figure out it's not like you know it's it's a complicated thing and especially like you know, trying to figure out a good way to, to do this whole bonus point system. But I mean, it's at least a bonus point system and not a preference point system. Yeah. Let's put it that way. That's the positive thing about all this. Is there still like, there's still a randomized portion of it that you still might have a chance instead of just, you look at a preference points system and it says zero point, you know, zero percent chance of drawing until you get to ten points or twelve points or whatever it is that that's going for. And every year it increases mm-hmm. one. That's discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe this stuff will um, make people prioritize things a little bit better. Uh huh just in terms of like like i i have my own priorities as far as like species go there are some that i don't apply for at all especially out of state like i don't apply for any of these in wyoming as an example because i just know like it's inevitably that i won't draw so why even try yeah and when those points are 150 dollars a pop Mm. it's hard to swallow yeah Yo, gosh, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. And then too, like, like Arizona deer, mule deer. I mean, what do you do? Is it kind of do the same thing down there? Preference points. No, I mean just like, like if you're trying to draw an Arizona strip tag. Oh yeah. And let's say you had zero bonus or zero preference points. Like, <laughs> you're sitting at you know twenty some years of preference points is it is it even worth it i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see the fluctuation that comes because there's got to be like now you know if there are a lot of people that are at zero points and they're looking at this like it's not even worth it so nobody puts in at -hmm. some point there's got to it's got to like dip back off right like it yeah that's what I'm wondering. It's like it, within the next 10 years, is this whole thing going to, you know, pop, I guess. Yeah. You know, like the stock market. Is it, is it just, I don't know. Are people going to come to the realization and be like, why would you, why would I try? Why would I try to draw some of these takes just because I'm, I've been told I should try to draw them. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> what uh is there any other articles that you're working on? No, not at the moment. No. 
Yeah. Any other ones that you want to like dive into that, um, that is kind of, I don't know if it'd be for points or, or what, but you did, you did a populations, um, one oh, as yeah. well yeah. and we did that. Yeah. And that was a, that was mm-hmm. a good, that was a good one too. It's super fascinating to me. I'm not smart enough to put this together, but once you've done it, it's fun to hear about it. Yeah. And, and it takes a lot of time, the data analysis and I mean, the data collection, even before that takes a long time and getting all the plots and charts to look nice, kind of how you want them to try to portray, you know, the big picture story is, it's pretty difficult and takes a lot of time. Um, But it is, especially like mule deer, like that article you're talking about, that was pretty important to me. Um, I know Robbie as well, but it's, it just seems like we're almost at this pivot point. Like what are, you know, in terms of these, these point systems, um, it's always that battle of opportunity versus quality. And, but then you have this mule deer population that's kind of declining in general. And I don't know, I don't know. What do we do, Jordan? You tell me. I have no idea. (laughs) I definitely don't know. Um, Do you think, do you think that there's could be a little bit of a break with like, there's a lot of people applying right now. And do you think that that's going to die off? Like maybe in a couple of years, it's going to bleed back off and then completely change things again. I'm not optimistic about that happening. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like I, I, Part of me wishes that would happen, but at the same time, I don't know. I see the arguments both ways. Mm-hmm. I wish there were less people in the field, but we need hunters to save hunting. Yeah. So I don't know. It's yeah. tricky. It is. I don't it's, know. What's your opinion on it? It's super tricky. I I really don't know. I think that um like it seems to be very hit and miss of who I talked to um, for if they had a lot of people in their area this year. Um, I talked to some guys that were like, no, like we saw about the same amount or we saw less than we thought we were going to see. And then the people you talked to that had a lot of people in their area, it was like, there was a lot more people in their area. It wasn't just a few more. Mm -hmm. It was like, a serious issue. So I'm not sure. I think that, um, like it doesn't really have to do with these points, but I honestly like what Idaho did with their system for non-residents and just making you have to choose a unit. So everybody had to spread out. Um, yeah, I think that made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I would a hundred percent agree with that. And I'm, I'm trying to find other people that might want to push that sort of idea to CPW as far as the elk hunting because yeah. the over-the-counter stuff, it's, it's got to be like 80% of the units in the state as far as the West Slope, and it's not even capped. It's unlimited, and people can go anywhere 
And like you're saying, I think we need to kind of restrict people to certain areas at least and then try to cap it a little bit, I yeah. would think. I mean, I think that that's a, you know, a pretty fair trade-off. Like you, it kind of eliminates like the last minute tag buying. Um, and I think if you're really serious about going and hunting and doing this stuff, then, um, you're going to be very much on top of trying to get a tag, you know, for an area. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's like, all right, we'll still give you like an over the counter opportunity or at least a, an easy to acquire opportunity, but you have to pick yeah. a unit and you can't leave. And then that way, exactly. even though that's then like, if it's capped in every unit, then it just lets everybody spread out more. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a good model. I, um, I like it. Like, uh, you know, the, like more people in the field, I mean, it's not going to get to a point like the state has figured out how many tags they want to give typically um so like that won't ever go over but i think the big deal from what i'm hearing is like the pressure so people just need to like spread out mm. Mm -hmm. yeah well the thing that also bothers me with colorado is they stack the elk and deer hunts like like the second and third rifle yeah. hunts i mean it's just gobs of people and 80 percent of the people you talk to they're just elk hunting and if you're a deer hunter for example that's just like well of course the hunting pressure is so high you have both these seasons stacked on on top of each other and then they they claim like a week of no hunting between the seasons well okay why can't we just offset those where yeah the elk hunters are hunting this season the deer hunters are hunting this season just to spread it out a little bit yeah yeah i i agree with you there and then just the archery over the counter um you know that i some of that you're just not going to be able to get away from that overlapping the the elks or the overlapping seasons like the archery is kind of just the archery but um yeah it's just crazy yeah. the seasons stacked on top of each other and then you have uh muzzleloader hunters that are in the middle of all of the archery chaos scouting for their season and um <laughs> yeah crazy yeah and i'm i mean like i'm not against certain people you know like the people hunting elk, for example, it's, it's just the way the, the structure is that it seems like we need to tweak it a little bit at least. And, and then there was also, so there was a new unit I hunted last year. I talked to three different elk hunters and they shot one year old deer because they bought a tag the day before. And, you know, it's like, and then we sit here and we think, well, why is there no big bucks? <laughs> and you got a thousand guys that bought, you know, deer tags just because they could buy them. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like, really? You know, it's, I mean, whatever. Yeah. So. But I think we'll definitely be seeing more of that kind of idea come down. 
I bet. Yeah, I hope so. It's, I, I think one thing that I've kind of thought about is it seems like we need to, in hunters in general, is we need to, we need to start trying to harvest to our capability or above it. And kind of what I mean by that is like, if I see, if I see an elk, like a spike elk, well, it's like, you know, I've hunted for so many years. Do I really need to shoot this spike elk? Just, you know, just because, and, and try to start harvesting animals that are more in line with our capability. That makes sense. Yeah. Like Robbie, for example, right. He's, he's targeting the older age class deer because he has so much experience and that's to his level. But I think it seems like there's just a lot of people that, that are not doing that no matter, like, it doesn't really depend. It doesn't really matter what, which stage you are. You should try to be, you know, progressing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's such like, I don't want to say a slippery slope, but um, sort of when you start like getting into some of those conversations is because I like, I definitely am targeting, I'm really trying to find the biggest buck that I can or like the oldest deer that I can. And just like you said, Mm -hmm. like, you know, trying to like find like target the older age class and not just shoot a deer to shoot a deer, but then there are just a lot of people who make up a lot of the tags that just, you know, they grew up just going out and like going to a camp that they've been to for a long time. And they go to the same area and it's like, they shoot a, Mm -hmm. you know, they shoot whatever kind of a deer and they're happy with it. And it's just hard to, gosh, I don't know. I don't want to say argue with that, but you know, it's like different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there can be, I think that there's room for there's room for all of us, but I definitely get what you what exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I mean, if anybody wants me, I can take you out on a cow elk hunt. How about that? Yeah, I mean, seriously, it's like yep. they're just everywhere. It's ridiculous. And yep. I get. And I don't. So I don't. I do not. I do not get that argument at all. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, if you're just going out for meat, why shoot a two-point, like, quote-unquote meat buck when you could get a doe tag that's yeah. easy to get or a cow tag yeah, that's, that's really true. easy yeah. to acquire? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can yep. get it every year without burning any bonus points or preference points. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. It's a yep. really anyway. good argument. Nobody cares about my opinion. <laughs> Oh, I wouldn't say that. Oh man. But uh sweet. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna toss in before we wrap it? No, I think I think I'm good. My Perfect. pleasure.